Warning. Listening to this podcast could be hazardous to your mental health. Side effects could include random fits of yelling go bills to total strangers. For your safety, the entire collective medical community recommends caution when consuming this podcast. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain with the most unathletic man in Bill's Mafia, Vince Taylor. Calling him coach seems to be a subtle mocking attempt. He also does not like being called Dion. Bill's Mafia, thank you so much for choosing to spend your Monday with me. You're listening to Buffalo on the Brain. I'm your host, Vince Taylor. I hope you're listening to me on the Built in Buffalo podcast network where you can find all of the other great content and the other great podcasting shows that come out every single day of the week. I think I would like to start out this podcast by kind of just gently touching upon uh, the extension that Fred Warner got over there in San Francisco. So five years, $95 million, uh, $12 million signing bonus. Some people think that that's sort of a barometer on where we can kind of gauge what Tremaine Edmonds is going to get. I, I would not be happy with that figure. You know, it's an average salary of $19 million. That's way too high for Tremaine, in my opinion. Right now, that's setting the market for where an inside linebacker will be. Now, do we believe that Tremaine Edmonds is worth that kind of money? If we sign Tremaine Edmonds to that same contract right now at this moment in time where he is in his career, do we think that is a smart general manager move? Is that a good decision? And I'm strongly in the camp that no, 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 I would not do that. I don't think he's earned that money yet. Now, every time I talk about Tremaine Edmonds on this podcast or on Twitter or anywhere in the world, you always got to hear about how young he is. That is besides the point. I'm not signing someone just because they're young. I want to sign you because you're great. Now, we drafted you on potential. You haven't really lived up to that potential just yet. Now, I realize that's controversial, depending on who you ask. He's the one of the best in the league. He's been to Pro Bowls or whatever. I don't feel that way. I don't see that when I watch him. Now, in reality, Tremaine's not going to get five years, $95 million. It's going to be less than that, realistically. Now, how much less? I don't know. There's a number where I'm happy with somewhere, and I don't know what that looks like. If we were to get him to a Matt Milano-type contract, I think I'd be open to that. I'd be okay with that. Much more than that, if we're getting into $14, $15, 16000000 million a year, you know, I, I, I'm, I don't think he's that player. Now, what do you do about it, right? Because you, you don't want to let an asset walk. We drafted him. We spent draft capital on him. We're trying to develop him. And if we let him walk, it's very likely that he could hit his ceiling in the next two or three years with somebody else. It's also very likely that somebody else could sign him to a, a, a bigger contract and they could be stuck with, you know, just kind of a player. And that seems to be disrespectful to Tremaine. And I, I'm not backing away from that because to me, Tremaine is a fine linebacker. He's fine. He's not great. He's, he's, he's okay. Um, I, I wouldn't put him as great. Again, you can talk about his potential, but I get tired of having to qualify that because it seems like people don't want to hear that part. But right now, if we had to sign that contract, I'd be extremely disappointed. 
And, you know, there's some folks out there who do not want to give Josh Allen a contract right now because he's only had one good year. Well, what if Tremaine comes back next year and becomes that linebacker that we all want him to be? And he's a game wrecking linebacker. He's making game changing plays and he's doing all the things we want to see him do. That would be one year production. He'd be going into his fifth year. We've already picked up his fifth year option. Do we want to give him that contract for that? I don't know. You know, I, I, I'm not, I'm more open to the idea, but I still want to hedge a little bit. Um, I've, I've always been, I've always been accused of being too conservative in my thinking. And I will readily admit that's sometimes true, but I don't want to give him anywhere near that contract right now. In fact, much more, anything really that much more than what Milano's getting. I'm completely turned off and I don't want it because I would rather draft somebody else and see what we can get there. That's just how I feel. Um, and you can respect my opinion or you can think that I'm a dummy, which, you know, I, I think both are warranted sometimes. But uh, that's just the way I feel about Tremaine. I'm, I'm not super excited about that contract being a barometer. Um, even if, you know, realistically, it's going to come in somewhere less than that. I'm not excited about it and I don't want to do it. Something else that happened this week that was, you know, kind of a, a little bit of pot stirring or commotion or drama here in the mafia was a fan in Rochester tagging Cody Ford in a tweet saying that Cody Ford was the biggest disappointment of his life. And Cody Ford saw it, got upset, and responded. Bill's mafia, well, they, we all came for this guy, didn't we? I... Listen, there are people out there who I love and respect that have just the complete opposite opinion of me on this. But this guy got hung out to dry. And, you know, I guess my thoughts are, one, Cody Ford is a professional athlete and a public figure. He's got to have thicker skin than that. I mean, what are you on Twitter for? Do you not know? Are you new to Twitter? And yes, I'm disappointed in Cody Ford too. It doesn't mean that I'm rooting against him. By the way, having high expectations for somebody is a good thing. We have high expectations for Cody. We picked him in the second round and he's not lived up to those. It's 100% okay to be disappointed. And I feel like that's probably the smart way to feel is feel disappointed in Cody Ford right now. I have said on this podcast, I'm not writing him off. I want to give him a, a chance to spend a full season in one position and have a training camp. So I'm not there yet. I've also said that if he doesn't get it together, he could be next year's Forrest Lamp. Both can be true at the same time. But Cody Ford is a professional athlete. This criticism is part of the job. It's, if he had a job description written, it would be in there at the bottom because you are a public figure and that goes with anybody in public life. There are just people out there who just like to tear people down. And that's not what this guy meant to do. I don't believe. I'm not a fan of the tag. I don't really like it, but um, I don't feel strongly that we should be attacking this guy for. So what? He tagged Cody Ford in a tweet. He didn't say anything about him personally. Didn't insult his mother. Didn't say, you know, he's a terrible person. He said, I'm disappointed. And it's a bad reaction by Cody Ford, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, like I said, I don't love the tweet. Maybe that's not the way I would have handled it, but it's not the reaction that he got from Bill's Mafia seemed a little extreme to me. And listen, I, I've there are many people out there I love and respect that have the, the opposite opinion of me on this, 
but that's just how I feel. Uh, it was a little harsh, and uh, you know, he's just a fan. For all we know, this Twitter handle could have been a 15-year-old kid. I don't think it was, but it could have been. You know, um, it's it just seems harsh. It seems over the top. And but I will say, uh, I I do love that part about Bill's Mafia at times where we rally and we protect our own and we do seem to have some sets of unwritten guidelines I think you know in this case I don't necessarily agree with it but generally speaking for the mafia the charities you know just who we are how we rally together so much good about the mafia and even if I disagree in this particular stance it's not the worst thing so I'm I'm still I'm still very proud of the mafia, and uh, I'm always repping out here in Indiana, but uh, that reaction was just a little hard for me. And the last thing I want to talk about this week, it's not going to be everyone's favorite subject. I'm giving you fair warning now. You can skip ahead in the podcast to the mafia hot seat, which I'm very proud of the guests that I actually had this week. I had uh, a rich. One of the co-founders of this network, Built in Buffalo, and one of the coolest guys um, that I I like to listen to. I love his delivery. If you watch his live shows, he's just so good at what he does. Uh, so I'm a big fan of A. Rich, and that does <laughs> that's independent of him being an owner of this network. But also, I was super happy to get a, a few minutes of Ryan Talbot. I've been a fan of Ryan and Matt Prino for a long time. And uh, I didn't think that I'd be able to get him to talk to me. Not only did he talk to me, he spent some extra time with me after we stopped recording. And uh, I already had a really high opinion of Ryan Talbot uh, before I talked to him. And just the way he interacted with me, just uh, super cool. Put him on another level. And my respect for him went up that much more. And last but not least, uh, you know them as Bill's Blitzkrieg. They're in the process of changing their name to Buffalo Blitzkrieg. I didn't realize they had a podcast until recently um but uh real fun guy love his demeanor that's jake by the way from bill's blitzkrieg uh love his demeanor um i also challenge him a little bit we had one of the longer hot seats that we've done it went almost a half hour but uh i liked uh i like the fact that you can challenge him and he'll respond thoughtfully and he's just got a he's a fun kind of laid back personality. And uh, I, I'm, I was happy to spend some time with him as well. So it's one of the cool things about doing the Mafia Hot Seat is you get to talk to and meet other Bills fans and podcasters in the community. And, and uh, it's my pleasure to do the Hot Seat every week. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. But I, it's my podcast and I want to talk about things that I want to talk about. So please feel free to skip ahead to the mafia hot seat right now if you don't want to talk about covid and i don't blame you it's not my favorite thing either but i feel strongly and i want to talk about it so i'll start with cole beasley yes yeah i'm a cole beasley fan cole beasley is the best slot receiver in the nfl he is the way he runs his routes and the way he can shake that defender just and they don't have a chance sometimes. Like, and, and it's just easy completions for Josh Allen with Cole Beasley in the slot. He's the best. He's an idiot. Yeah, I'm not backing down from that. If you go back a few months, he's anti-vax. Okay, I don't love the fact that people have the anti-vax stance. I think that 
it can sometimes be uh, political. And if you're putting your political beliefs into your scientific uh, well-being, I don't think that's smart. But it's not a perfect diagram, a Venn diagram of people that feel that way and people are scared of the vaccine. There are people that have legit reasons to be worrisome of getting the vaccine. And I understand that part. But I think a lot of people will use that as cover for their political feelings. And I I don't respect that. And I don't know where Cole feels politically. I don't know where he falls. But I will say nobody's forcing anyone to get a vaccine. Even now, the news that came down yesterday, today's Friday. I'm recording on Friday this week. The news that came down yesterday was if you have to reschedule because of COVID, players on both teams will lose their game checks. Now, that's harsh. I don't hate it. In fact, I, I like it. And I'll get to reasons why. Let me finish talking about Cole for a moment. But we're in the middle of a global pandemic, airborne virus. We had people that were so proud of being anti-maskers. They were proud. A sizable portion of this country was proud of being anti-maskers. And it's like you don't understand what the word airborne virus means or global pandemic but it's just it's i mean it's basic science you wouldn't feel, you wouldn't do that for the common cold i mean it, just wear a mask that's like the bare minimum you could ask anyone to do nobody wanted to do it not nobody a sizable portion of this country was proud of not doing that and we have cole beasley rallying against the vaccine doesn't want to take it wants to be free but what he's really upset about was not the vaccine. It wasn't. Now, people don't understand his argument. He was upset that he didn't want the vaccine, but he also didn't want to follow the safety protocols, right? So he thought the safety protocols were ridiculous. Didn't want to, he just wanted to be free. And I think that's selfish. And I think that's silly. I mean, nobody's forcing you to do anything but be safe. And by the way, the NFL is a private organization and they can have safety rules if they'd like. So if you want to retire, you can retire. But my problem with Cole is he knew exactly what he was doing, how controversial it was, how much of a fucking troll he was being when he put that on Twitter. He knew because he'd already done it earlier this year. So he, again, not the vaccine. It's him not wanting to follow safety protocols. So what happens? Safety protocols get relaxed a little bit. I think they're not doing less testing and he's complaining about that again. So they relax it and he doesn't, he doesn't, he thinks they're too relaxed or whatever. He can't really follow his opinion. I don't know. Whatever happened to God's will. I don't think Cole knows what he's upset about. He just knows he doesn't like the vaccine and doesn't seem to want to follow any safety protocols. So the news that came out yesterday stirred up a ton of shit, a ton of shit. And you see players going out there on Twitter saying they're against the vaccine again. It's fine. I mean, I personally think you should be vaccinated, but okay. You're not, nobody is forcing you to get the vaccine. That is not the issue. It's not the issue at all. You can choose to play NFL this year and not take the vaccine. They want you to be safe in the facility. And what does that mean? That means that when you go home in your private life, you got to take some precautions there too. I took care of my family for not quite 18 months, but we didn't leave our house. My mother and father-in-law lived with me. We were very careful to keep them safe. We didn't, you know, we, when we did go out, we social distanced, we wore a mask. We wanted to be safe. There's nothing wrong with an NFL player wanting to do that too. They can, they should be doing that. And that also means you kind of have to get some control over your families. But I mean, 
it's a global airborne pandemic. Let's just have a little bit of perspective on that. So it is possible that you can do all that and still get COVID. It's possible you can get vac- vaccinated and still get COVID. So if we want to admit to that fact, why wouldn't we want to be safe anyway? Like if I'm vaccinated, I still want to be safe. I still wear a mask when I go out sometimes. So, I mean, you're a professional athlete getting paid millions of dollars for a private entity that wants to make its own rules. And you're rallying and fighting against any sort of safety protocols. It's not about the vaccine, even if you want to make it about the vaccine. You, you know, in Cole's case, especially, you just don't want to do it. And I will never understand that because you're, it's not about Cole Beasley. It's about the NFL. It's about everybody being safe. And it's about limiting the contact that you could have with the virus. And I don't know. If, if you don't like the vaccine because you think that you could still get the you know COVID, why would you not be safe outside of that? But this is something I don't know why people are not talking about enough. And I actually had a little bit of this conversation with Jake. You'll hear it later in the Mafia Hot Seat. But if the NFL Players Association was not protecting players and the NFL was not taking steps to protect their players or have safety protocols in place and there was a large breakout there's some potential liability for them too because they were very lax and they didn't enforce standards or they didn't even attempt it so I mean you can't have your cake and eat it too just think for a moment a player like Starla Tule, Trey White Tommy Sweeney There's a big breakout and they get sick. Do you think that the NFL and the Players Association is above being sued for those kind of things? I don't think so. I think there's some liability there. Now, of course, it'll go to court, but you don't want to be sued. Um, And and just nobody's going to be happy. You know, this part of living in a land and a country and working for a company, like you have to follow rules. And this happens to be one of these rules. And these rules are not to be draconian. They're not to be authoritarian. They're to keep everybody safe. Wear a mask. Stay away from everybody. Here's a vaccine. You know, hope you want it. I'd like for you to have it. But what are these rules really for? To keep everybody safe. And I don't know. And yes, the NFL does have business interest at heart as well, as they should. As should any other business, a mom and pop store, a small engineering firm. I mean, whatever. We know what COVID can do. There is business interest here at stake in keeping the players safe. It's not all you know altruistic. We want to be good and take it. There is business interest. That doesn't mean it's wrong. And the it's not hurting you. It's making you safer. So I, I don't understand. I will never understand the people who fight this tooth and nail. Uh, and again, please hear me. I keep repeating this. Nobody seems to get the point. It's not about the vaccine. That seems to be what everyone wants to argue about. That's not being forced on anybody. Let's go back to last year in the NFL season. We had people, or at least one player, sneaking outside people inside training camps you know, breaking protocol that way. We had coaches getting fined because they weren't following proper safety protocols. You see coaches on TV not even wearing the mask correctly. Um, I mean, they weren't even taking it seriously last year. Just think about us as Bills fans. 
what we went through with Tennessee and then right back to back with against Kansas City, that was not fair. That was some bullshit. And I was saying that last year that they should have had the forfeit the game because they were having team meetings outside and outside of the facilities and, and they didn't want to follow protocols and the NFL bowed to them. And that's not okay either. So they weren't even taking it seriously last year. And by the way, Tom Brady did the same thing before the season started. He never got any kind of punishment, retribution, fines. They had off, off-site off workouts against the rules, and nobody seemed to care. But they weren't taking it seriously last year. Now, the NFL does not want to happen again. As we know, numbers are starting to pick up again. And they didn't take it seriously enough last year. So that's why I like this rule. Now, is it harsh? Yeah, uh, it's, it's probably a little harsh, but I don't hate it. In fact, I love it. And for everything the NFL gets wrong, they got this one completely right. Let's have some sort of, um, I guess it's negative reinforcement, but it's reinforcement nonetheless. We got to get people to do the right thing because it's not about Cole Beasley. It's not about DeAndre Hopkins. It's not about the, taking the vaccine. It is about keeping people safe, even if that's a secondary uh, purpose for it. I think that's all I want to say. And I, if you've listened and you've listened this far, I appreciate it. You don't have to agree with me. You can think I'm an idiot, but um, I I felt strongly enough about it that I wanted to get it out on my podcast because I don't feel like people understand the arguments very well. And admittedly, I don't understand all of the little angles either. But big strokes, it's just so silly. And that doesn't seem to be... The little smaller, finer details don't seem to be anybody's sticking points. And uh, so let's go into a high note because I, I am very excited about this week's Mafia Hot Seat. Uh, again, thank you for listening. This week we have A. Rich right here, one of the co-owners on this Built in Buffalo network. We have Ryan Talbot over from New York Upstate, one half of the Shout podcast. They do a great job. Um, I have even before I started doing podcasting, I was a fan of those two. Um, they just feel like just guys that you want to be neighbors with. I've said that before. As well as uh, Bill's Britzkrieg. We have Jake over from Bill's Britzkrieg. Super fun guy. Uh, and, uh, you know, just real fun to talk to. Seems like a guy that you wouldn't be a bad guy to maybe have a beer with if I drank beer. But without further ado, the Bill's Mafia Hot Seat. Vince Taylor and Buffalo on the Brain proudly bring to you the Mafia Hot Seat, a built-in Buffalo production. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Be ready. It might be chilly. Bill's Mafia. I'm very excited for the first guest in the Mafia hot seat this week. It's a little treat for everybody listening. Welcome to the show, A. Rich. How you doing? Hey, Vince. I am doing well, bro. I really appreciate you for having me on, and I am a fan of your work, so I appreciate you having me on, and, and we can have this excellent dialogue that you cook up every week. I appreciate you. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, I, I got to say, uh, you are, I, I told you this a minute ago, but I want to get it out there. You have one of the best, 
verbal deliveries in the game right now. <laughs> it's smooth like butter, and it's like you're taking us all on a little trip. Hey, hey Vince, don't make me blush, bro. <laughs> don't make me blush. I, I deeply appreciate it, man. I just try to deliver content where uh, our people and the fans can can ab uh, ab absorb the knowledge and, and take everything in, but I do appreciate it. All right, let's go ahead and get started. I have the 10 questions in front of me. Which one yes. would you like? So my favorite number growing up was one. So let's start there. Okay. This isn't necessarily a Bills-related question, but it does relate to the AFC East. Let's so do, do you think Zach Wilson is an upgrade over Sam Darnold? Uh, yes. I do believe Zach Wilson is an upgrade over Sam Donald. I believe Zach Wilson is a guy that can be electric. I think he's a guy that has some mobility and has some pocket presence and that can make all the throws. And that pro day performance he put on at BYU's pro day was uh, nothing less than spectacular. Uh, rolling to the right, throwing to the left, it was it was a thing of beauty. So, yes, I'm, a, I'm actually a big fan of Zach Wilson. And I believe he's going to be better than Sam Donald. Really? Okay. Yes. I yes. will say I I was a, a Sam Donald fan, and I hated that he went to the Jets. In fact, a long time ago, I, he was my guy or one of my guys. But um, I feel like they've already made a, a few moves to surround him with some talent, more than mm -hmm. Donald really ever got. Now, unless you want to count Le'Veon Bell, which – I don't know really what you were getting out of him anyway, but you could make the argument that they didn't have an offensive line. Right. I mean, you know, Sam Donald, man, call a spade a spade. He he just got the the shitty end of the stick. He didn't have any talent out there in New York. So that's that's not his fault. That's, of course, uh, coaching and uh, organizational and GM's fault. But uh, maybe he comes in and, and balls out this year with the Carolina Panthers. He now has a competent offensive coordinator and Joe Brady. So I'm going to be rooting from Sam Donald from afar because he's finally out the AFC East. Yeah, it's easier to root for him now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, most definitely, most definitely. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I like the move the Panthers made. I thought that if you look at other teams that are trading up to go get their franchise quarterback, you're paying multiple first-round picks. They gave up a second-rounder and some change and taking a chance on a guy like Sam Darnold, who had high pedigree. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people believe still has you know talent that is ready to come out so you paid a much lesser price than maybe what you would have by trading as other teams trading up to get their quarterback right right but vince i'm curious to know i want to get your thoughts uh what could the carolina panthers possibly see in sam donald that they didn't get out of teddy bridgewater well I, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater has been in the league for a little bit longer and Teddy is steady Teddy, right? Like, I don't right. know that he's ever going to be the guy. Teddy feels like Teddy feels like a low end starter and a top mm. flight backup. That's just my opinion. I don't have yes. to be right about that. Right. Uh, but, you know, and he did well and, and he, he gets maybe a little bit too much praise for the little that he has done. But I feel like with the difference would be with Darnold, you're banking on what you think he can become. Right. Teddy's, we know what Teddy is. Right. I like it. I like it. So basically, Teddy Bridgewater 
has reached his ceiling and Sam Donald hasn't. That's exactly the way I should have said it. Much yep. more concise. <laughs> See, I understood. You're, <laughs> you're a you're a verbal ninja. See, you know how to right up. But uh, back to Zach Wilson. I I have some concerns about Wilson. And by the way, I need to put this disclaimer out there. I'm terrible at judging quarterbacks. Like you could <laughs> you could almost hire me as a scout just so you can do the opposite of what I say. <laughs> but I don't like the way he looks. I don't like the mm. way he carries himself. He doesn't feel like a leader. He doesn't, mm. I mean, he doesn't feel like a presence to me. And do you think I'm wrong there? You know what? No, I don't think you're wrong at all. He does give away that kind of cocky, a little arrogant, kind of maybe even like a Jay Cutler kind of vibe. I, I definitely can see that type of vibe with Zach Wilson, uh, but I also see the talent. So that's that's why uh, I, I might be a little higher on Zach than you are. Okay. I, uh, I'm I'm probably wrong. And I, I mean, I hope I'm right because he's a Jet. Of course. But, <laughs> <laughs> I hope um, you're right too. <laughs> I, I take the way that I feel when I see him or when I look at him versus the way you know, Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick. And yes, of course he has, you know, all the stats to back up, but I think when you look at the way Trevor Lawrence carries himself, that's what I like to see out of a quarterback. That's not what Josh is either. So I don't have to be right, but that's my comparison. And I like it. I like the comparison. Okay. Yes, sir. All yes, right. Sir. You got anything else for me, a rich? Um, no, I think that was, you know, I think that was a, a excellent topic because actually I, I, I believe that the New York Jets uh, did well this whole offseason. So it's definitely up to the quarterback. So, again, I hope you are right about Zach Wilson and he falters and he's not that guy because uh, the Jets did a, a pretty solid job this offseason on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. So we'll see what happens with, with uh, the New York Jets. Okay. Erich, tell everybody where they can find you. Hey, man. A Rich, Akeem Richens. You can find me on all social media platforms at KingRich underscore 987BIB. I am on each and every Saturday, 9 p.m., Billsology on the Built in Buffalo Network. Catch us on YouTube. If you haven't subscribed to Built in Buffalo, please take that time. Subscribe to Built in Buffalo. We have a lot of great personalities. And I'm on one of the personality shows. Vince, I really appreciate you and thank you for, for having me on. Yo, man, anytime. I will always make room for you. But yeah, just to reiterate what you just said, the Billsology show between you and Dave is it's our best content. It's not even close. You guys are really good at what you do. Uh, lots of respects, lots of respect for you too. And, and, and I know that you guys just put in so much work. I know Dave is always grinding. You guys put a ton of work in always. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Dave, Dave, man is, is the well-oiled machine out the group. He does a little bit of everything. He's the engine, he's the transmission, he's the spark plugs, you know, Dave is, is a well-oiled machine. And, and, and I love that guy, man. He's a maniac. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> All right. Hey, Rich, thank you so much for choosing to spend a few minutes with me tonight on the Mafia Hot Seat. And, of course, you know we're always going to be in touch. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your night.
Yes, sir. Great show. Thank you. Bill's Mafia. I'm very blessed to have a special guest with us today in the hot seat. Joining us on the program is Ryan Talbot from New York Upstate, one half of the Shout Podcast, which, by the way, the Shout Podcast has one of the best intros in the game. If very Breaking Benjamin is, is that what that is? I mean, I think it's pretty close to it. I think that's a good way of describing it. Yeah, we had uh, one of our friends that does that for a living make that intro for us, and he did a great job. No, it's, it's one of the best in the game. I, I enjoy it. And I enjoy the podcast, too. You guys are great. Actually, uh, what you guys do, you guys are right there at the tippy top of, of the uh, podcast game and the reporting game. And uh, I'm a big fan of both you and Matt. So thank you so much for choosing to spend a few minutes with us. Oh, anytime. I'm, I'm glad to join you. And thanks for having me on. Okay. So uh, I know that you and I just talked about it, but just in case. Um, the format is I have 10 questions in front of me. You can have anyone you like except number one. Which one would you like? I'm going to go with number seven. Number seven. Okay. I, there's, <laughs> this is a very polarizing topic, but uh, the tight end spot was not really addressed this year. We had, I believe it was uh, Sean McDermott kind of calling out the tight ends at the end of last year, saying he wished that he would have got more. And I thought maybe we'd pick up money in the draft. We were kind of hanging around the urge thing, which can happen at any moment or maybe not at all. I don't really know. Maybe, you know, but is that kind of a big blind spot for us right now? Is that the major weakness on this team? That's a great question. Uh, in terms of the major weakness, I'm not sure if I would label it that way, because even though this is a pass-heavy offense, the Bills were just fine, even with the tight end position uh, being questionable at best last year. So yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a big weakness because we, we the Bills, I should say, proved that they could move the ball and put up points even without an effective uh, and consistent tight end. That being said... Uh, I'm higher on Dawson Knox than a lot of people. Uh, I still believe in Dawson Knox. And he is kind of an outlier from what Brandon Bean generally does in terms of uh, drafting players. Brandon Bean looks at the players over the course of their career, and he generally has taken players that have a proven track record uh, that have produced in college year in, year out, um, and the same with Sean McDermott because Brandon Bean wasn't here for that first year. So you, you look at McDermott's first draft too, throwing that into the mix. You have Trey White who came in immediately and started after having a great career at LSU. You had Deion Dawkins. You had Matt Milano um, just from that first class alone. Now, mind you, he did roll the dice a little bit on Josh Allen in terms of what he thought he could be, and, and he's proven to be very wise in that regard. But even Edmonds had a lot of playing time, and you have Harrison Phillips, Taron Johnson. The list goes on and on just from those first two draft classes. But even as the years have gone on, he, he's taken players that have produced. And, and Dawson Knox was one of those players that didn't. He was one of those outliers. And it was more so, well, you know, we can get this guy on day two that has all the intangibles that you look for in a tight end in terms of the athleticism, in terms of creating mismatches and what he could be, but he just never really produced at the college level. And it wasn't his fault. 
he was part of an Ole Miss offense that really, just like the Bills offense currently, funnels through their wide receivers. He never had that chance to develop and prove what he can do. I think entering year three, Dawson Knox is going, going to have a breakout year. Now, is he going to put up George Kittle, Travis Kels, uh, who I just realized, I guess that's how you say his last name. He did a video where he says Kels, not Kelsey. Um, and, and is he going to put up those types of numbers? No, I don't think so. Not with when you have Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis, Emmanuel Sanders. But he's going to break his previous career highs in terms of what he's done so far in Buffalo. And this isn't just a shot in the dark. It's based on the fact of, of what we saw out of him at the end of the year, where he had five touchdowns between week 11 on to the end of the regular season and the playoffs. He had two in the playoffs, three from week 11 to week 17. He really started to come on as that red zone weapon, someone that Josh Allen could target. He had that touchdown in the Colts playoff game where he kept running with it. Uh, when Josh Allen looked like he was going to try to run into the end zone and the last second, he threw it to Knox. So they're starting to get on the same page. They're starting to understand one another. And the big issue with Knox was the concentration and the drops. And, and the fact that he went and, and put in time with a vision specialist this offseason, he has this device with him that I'm sure he'll bring with him to training camp that's already in Buffalo uh, that deals with, with ping pong balls and, and catching them and keeping an eye on them. I think that's going to help with the vision, the concentration, the, the eyes. And the fact that he was part of that tight end university, he was able to actually be around Darren Waller and, and be around some of those tight ends that I mentioned earlier, some of the premier players in the game. Um, I, I think that's going to benefit him, and he's going to have a really nice year. And then throw in Jacob Hollister behind him, I think that's a pretty solid one-two punch. Um, for any fans that are on the fence about Hollister, go back and watch that Seahawks game from last year. And, and I know it's just a small sample size. I know that his overall stats last year um, don't jump off the page, but he was a weapon against the Bills. And I want to say he had seven catches in that game, and all seven went for first downs. So that's something to keep your eye on, too. I think that's a solid one-two punch. And then it's interesting behind them because Tommy Sweeney, uh, they really like him. He obviously didn't play last year due to COVID and a heart condition that developed because of that. Uh, I think that he has a shot to land that job. Uh, Reggie Gilliam obviously is in the mix. He had that job last year after converting or being a hybrid fullback tight end. Uh, but he has that special teams to working in his advantage as well. So we'll see what happens behind that too. But I think they're going to be better than people expect. That being said, with Zach Ertz, there was a report out of Philadelphia yesterday that he's expected to be on Philly's roster in 2021. That may be true, but that could also be one last-ditch attempt by the Eagles to try to get some kind of value for him being like, oh, no, 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 we've worked things out. We're going to keep him. And then maybe a team would offer something a little bit higher. I'm thinking that they're getting very low offers, late day three picks where maybe they might settle for a fifth-round pick at this point if they were able to get it. But we'll we'll see with the Ertz conversation. But Ertz is not a dynamic player. He's not a mismatch like Dawson Knox can be. You're not going to get the yards after catch from Ertz. He's just a very smart and savvy player who knows where to sit and get open. Yeah, I, I agree with your points about McDermott and being obviously drafting folks who are successful in college. But... I mean, they, they seem to value athletic ability more than almost anything else. So like Dawson Knox is a perfect example. He's every bit as athletic as a guy like Kronk, 
Um, I guess my issue with him, I'm not, I'm not mad at the pick. I like the pick. I guess I would rather see him as a tight end too, until he works it out. But who am I? I'm just a dumb podcaster, but you mentioned this is going to be his breakout season. What do you think a breakout season looks like for him? Well, that's a great question. Let me actually pop up his season stats to date here so I can give you a realistic uh, projection for him in terms of what I think he can do. Um, you know, if you look at what he's done in his first two seasons, it's nothing that jumps off the page. It's nothing that's mind-blowing. I actually don't want to open up that one. That one probably has audio on it. So uh, bear with me for one second here. Okay. There we go. All right. So if you look at last season, he had 24 receptions, 288 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, the year before that, he actually had 28 for 388 and two touchdowns. So more productive in terms of the receptions, but he played more games too. I'm going to say a breakout season would be hovering around that 500 to 555 or 550 yard mark uh, touchdowns. I think if he could get five touchdowns this season, match his total career high from the two seasons combined, I think that would be a solid breakout year for him, especially considering the fact that Stefan Diggs is going to be near the top of the league in receiving. And you're going to have Cole Beasley getting his fair share uh, of footballs thrown his way as well as Davis and Sanders. So uh, I think if you can get him around that 500, 550 mark and five touchdowns, that's a breakout year. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, it's not a tight end centric offense, but do you think that is a product of not trusting the tight ends that they have? Or, I mean, they do have excellent receivers. You want to get those guys on the field too. So if Dawson Knox were to take that step, do you think that he would obviously earn that opportunity more. Yeah, I, I do. I think Brian Dable is one of the smartest offensive coordinators in the league, and there's no doubt that he could scheme Knox open the same way he schemes a lot of his receivers open on a play-by-play -play basis. So if he sees the improvement out of Knox and the confidence is there, they can definitely funnel some plays to Knox where instead of being option number four, he's option number two or option number one. Uh, because they know he can be a mismatch on any given week against a linebacker or uh, nickel corners, safety, whoever they think would be matched up against him on any given week. So I think that Brian Dable, if he feels confident in Knox and sees that Knox is much improved this summer, you will see him get more of a workload. Yeah. And I like the fact that he is doing all the extra things. Like you said, seeing the vision specialist, I thought it was a hand-eye coordination person, but you're, you're probably right. Um, and tight end university. So if he doesn't get it together this year, it's not going to be for lack of trying. And uh, maybe that would affect my opinion of him at the end of the year. But right now I'm still don't hate the pick. I'm glad he's on the roster. I just, I'm not sure that I would keep starting him. Yeah. And, and I understand that argument and, it's just about, you know, who was available. If you look at who was available in free agency, Hunter Henry and Johnu Smith, for example, both got big money, uh, more than the Bills are probably willing to spend there. Um, I like Dan Arnold. Dan Arnold did, did end up signing for peanuts. I think it was two years, six million, although six million is not peanuts to you and you and I. Uh, but in, in NFL terms, that's not much money on a given contract. So a player like that could have been had, but maybe the Bills just didn't like that fit, that scheme. So the, the top guys earned their way out of it. And then, then when it came to the draft, it was Kyle Pitts, and then you fell off of a cliff. 
Uh, I, I l- heard that the Bills did like Pat Freermuth out of Penn State, but he was off the board by the time they picked in round two. So we'll never know if, if he would have been uh, their pick had he been available. I, th- I think they really did love Boogie Basham as well. So that would have been an interesting dilemma. They thought that Basham would be off the board by the time they picked as well. Uh, but, you know, when all is said and done, even if Freermuth would have been the pick, I don't see him leapfrogging Dawson Knox as a rookie. Uh, really, the only play that would have been would be Pitts in that draft class, and there was absolutely no way the Bills were going to get in anywhere near him in this year's draft. Yeah, yeah, great point. I mean, it's hard to upgrade when you don't want to overpay and you don't want to trade up a bunch to get that guy. So, yeah, I mean, that's fair. Okay, Ryan Talbot, do you have anything else for me? Uh, well, again, thanks for having me on. Uh, make sure you check out our work. Uh, myself, Matt Perino, NewYorkUpstate.com, Syracuse.com, uh, the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast. We generally go live every Wednesday night. We're actually going to go live on Friday this week. Uh, Matt had a little mini vacation before the start of training camp, but keep it locked in there. We have some really good guests coming up on the horizon to keep an eye out for. Um, so watch out for that. And if you can't watch it live, follow along, subscribe, rate, review on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And tell us where we can find you on Twitter, Ryan. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan Talbot Bills. Okay, there you go. Ryan Talbot, one half of the Shout Podcast, along with Matt Perino. Thank you so much. This was uh, this was fun. And uh, I'm, I'm so grateful that you took a few minutes for me, Ryan. Oh, anytime. Thank you again. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. You too. Ladies and gentlemen of Bill's Mafia, next up in the Mafia hot seat, we have, for the first time, Jake over from Bill's Blitzkrieg. Jake, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Vince. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on, by the way. it's uh, I've been listening to a few of yours and a lot of the other stuff on built in Buffalo. So it's a, it's nice to be invited on. That's what I like to hear, (laughs) but be, be kind with the feedback sometimes, please. (laughs) That's all right. I can take it. I I get a lot of, uh, I, for the first time today, and I, this was kind of like, I felt like I was winning. I I put an article out last night about nine o'clock and I got just the singular L in the comment section. I was like, you know what? I've never gotten just that no context hate before. So I'm like, all right, I'm doing something right. (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes it's just I don't. You're not saying what I want to hear. That's, that's right. That, that's really all it can be. Sometimes, yeah. I, I feel like there's a certain section of podcasters that appreciate like a well thought out argument, and there's some that don't. <laughs> not to, I don't want to put a blank on everybody, but yeah, you know, you can't reach everybody. Well, I mean, I like them both, but there is something nice about just getting that slap in the face, and it really wakes you up, and it's a it's almost satisfying because it wants you know the burning. <laughs> clears on your on your cheek you feel a lot better about it (laughs) all right so jake why don't you tell us where we can find your podcast and how we can find you on twitter we run everything through our twitter page at bills blitzkrieg we just changed to oh i forgot to change it on my thing down here i just changed the buffalo blitzkrieg trying to keep ahead of that cease and desist order in case we blow up um we also have a web uh, website uh billsblitzkrieg.com where we post all of our blogs opinion pieces uh, analytical articles, and then we have an anchor podcast stream where, um, which is also Bill's Blitzkrieg. 
So you guys can find us on all three of those. And everything is posted on our Twitter. So if it's easier, just go on the Twitter page. And I'm the one I'm always posting the crazy takes. And we always pin the most recent stuff at top. So I can go on Anchor and search Bill's Blitzkrieg and I'll get where I need to go. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Buffalo, so I'm sorry. Buffalo Blitzkrieg. Buffalo. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to change over here. It's Buffalo Blitzkrieg now. <laughs> but it's still at Bill's Blitzkrieg. So I'm just going to confuse everybody. But at Bill's Blitzkrieg Twitter, you'll find us. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, that's the handle. Yes, you're right. Okay. All right. So uh, you're probably somewhat familiar with the format. I have 10 questions in front of me. You're the third person to go this week. So you can have any number you like between one and 10, except number one and number seven are off the board. Okay. Okay. Um, Let's go with three. It's the holy number. Three. Okay. I like this debate because honestly, I'm not super sure where I even come out on this argument and I might be able to be swayed, but the two schools of thought team pass rush or team pass coverage, which one do you think is more important? Well, to give you the wishy-washy answer, it all depends on scheme, right? (laughs) But you know, if I got gun to my head back against the wall, the coverage team is going to benefit a lot more for the defense as a whole, then the pass rush, the pass rush does one thing and rushes the passer. We're not talking about rush defense. We're just talking about pass rush. So if you have a top tier secondary that takes a lot of responsibilities off of the linebackers, maybe covering a slot wide receiver or covering in zone over the middle of the field, you can dedicate more linebackers to blitzing or defending the run. So by consequence of that, I would say having a top tier secondary that can lock down, receivers and tight ends is going to benefit your team a little bit more than having a top tier pass rush. But I mean, of course, like we saw in the Super Bowl last year, a top tier pass rush can disrupt the best offense in the last 20 years. So. And I think you kind of mentioned it. Like if my front four are good, great pass rushers, that might allow me to keep those linebackers back and kind of space out the zone a little more or, or do other things. On the other hand, and this is where I think I might land, but I don't feel strongly about it. I can definitely be swayed. Pass rushers don't get pressures on every passing down. But I think my corners, if that's what I prioritize, can have just as big an effect on every passing down if they're good at coverage. Now, there's different schemes. We, we can talk about zone or man. But if I'm prioritizing just coverage – I think I'm going to get that on more downs than I will a pressure or a sack. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head there because every single passing down, your cornerbacks are going to have to cover somebody. You're going to have to cover your assignment in every single passing down. You don't necessarily have to get into the backfield on every single passing down. And honestly, if you have better pass protection, lesser pass rushers can get into the backfield. So I think uh, if I was dedicating a certain percentage of my cap, my defensive cap, I'd do maybe 15% pass rush, 20% uh, secondary. I'd so you've been listening to Bruce. I'm listening to Bruce. I love Bruce. <laughs> I give him a hard time because I try to. He never responds to me when I pick on him about his running back takes. But, <laughs> you know, you can't go wrong and listen to Bruce exclusive. No, he's he's definitely one of the best. And that guy's got a gift. He can carry a podcast all on his own and talk for an hour and still have content. Uh, but I, I did a podcast a few weeks ago about – him and Joe 
Marino because I think they're both so smart and they're some of the smartest people in Bill's Mafia, but they're not alike at all. No, and complete polar opposites. It's they so might fun. even arrive at the same conclusion, but the way they do it is just so different. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, that's nicer, especially when you have a, well, they started out with as co hosts, right? And then Bruce kind of branched off to his own thing. No, Whatever. that was uh, Nick. It was oh, a Nick yeah. and Nolan show, and uh, Nick uh, had a baby and decided to pull back from podcasting. So, Bruce did a solo thing and, uh, you know, it's going well for him, obviously. And, uh, yeah, Joe Marino, um, over there in locked on, I, I'm not quite sure who, how he got started, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's one of the smartest people in the mafia as well. Well, for sure. I guess we're just saying we need some more Bruce exclusive Joe Marino podcast. Yeah. Bill's Bill's mafia. Do you know any? Get him started. <laughs> Send yeah, him my way. I want to talk to him. Go. Yeah, we'll get him. Out. Come on the Buffalo Bliss Creek with us too. We'd love to have Bruce or Joe. <laughs> All right. So any other thoughts on pass rush versus coverage? I I just hope the Buffaloes, I know I've been going all benefit towards the, the secondary in my in my response, but I, I hope the uh, Buffalo's pass rush is significantly improved from last season. We need to get more sacks. You know, it's just, it's simple as that, you know, pass rush, pass rush win rate is nice. All these events metric is nice, but if you're taking down the quarterback at the regular clip, that is a huge advantage for your team. And I think, uh, particularly looking at two pass rushes taking the first and second with Basham and, and Russo, we got to get to the quarterback better this year. And I hope uh, all the moves and all the adjustments they made um, bears fruit there. Yeah. That's, well, I mean, the great point, uh, Jerry Hughes is one of the best in the game of getting off his block and pressuring the quarterback, but what does it usually end up to? It, it ends up the quarterback just fight takes five steps the other direction and throws a complete pass to somebody else because there's nothing on the other side to help him. And I'm a little uh, optimistic about Epinenza. And I think AJ Addison or Mario Addison, <laughs> look at me getting my names confused. Mario Addison. Um, it's not a hot popular take, but I, I, I don't think his job is safe. If Epinenza comes on and maybe in the preseason, he's shown that he can handle it. I'm hoping that getting some pressure from that other side will help Jerry Hughes. Uh, so he could pick up some sacks that way, but just by, you know, taking a half step forward, but also we have Ed Oliver in the middle and we know last year he was out of position. You know, he's a smaller, shouldn't probably have been playing one tech, but he did get in the backfield at times from the one tech position too. So moving him back over to that three tech, maybe we can see that pass rush uh, start to improve. And, you know, I know one directly does affect the other, but I'm still team pass coverage. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. If Ed Oliver can well, round out into form, at least a fraction of what we expected of him coming out of the draft, a fraction better of what he expected from him, um, that completely changes what they're doing in the front four. If you're blowing up the interior of the offensive line on every play, you're not too worried about what you have on the edges. If you're breaking up that, that pocket, you're going to force more turnovers. You're going to lead to more sacks. But it all comes, I mean, everything, yeah, like you said, everything was in flux last season. They didn't expect to see Star Latulale opt out. No one, you know, no one expected anybody to opt out. And then mm-hmm. you lose Star Latulale, who's in that very critical one tech role, and you have Vernon Butler trying to fill in for him. And he was a he was a screen door last season. So by necessity, you know, you push him out of position and he has to take on 320-pound centers and guards when he's 280 pounds. Um, yeah, I hope him getting back to three tech with Star Latulale back or Maybe even Justin Zimmer, Harrison Phillips taking a step up next season. Um, I'd like to see uh, 
five plus sacks from him at least. And that could, I'm not even worried about Jerry Hughes, Addison, Epineza, Basham, Russo. If Oliver is getting after the quarterback, everything is good. Just keep your bookends. Yeah. Okay. I agree with that. I know at times we were, since, because we're not able to close the deal, uh, you know, we were blitzing more than we wanted to. And when we were blitzing, we weren't even getting there either. So it was just, here's an open spot. Just please, I'm inviting you to throw here. And uh, yeah, it was certainly a letdown from the past defenses we had a few years before that. No, for sure. Yeah. You look at Tredavious White. He's, I, I love Tredavious White and I never like talking bad about him, but he took a, a major step back last year and he had the back injury, he had this and they had the shortened off season. So I'm not going to, you know, um, pile on him or anything, but he definitely took a step back last season. And I think that does point to a lot of what they were doing in the front seven. Just no. having that same, that same chemistry and so much more was expected of him. Uh, his cover stats were down, his interceptions, his deflections, everything was a pretty steep drop from his 2019 all pro season. Well, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. He's a zone cover in the corner. Mm-hmm. And if you're not getting, you know, so zone coverage with no pass rush, you know, if you can just hold it out, you can find an opening in his own. And okay. that seems like what happened to us a lot last year. And it also felt like I was watching a lot of games and I was seeing Tredavious White trying to chase people down from behind as well. So yeah, the pass rush would go a long way to making me feel better, but oh, for sure. to credit the bills defense, they weren't great at all, but I feel like late in the season during close games, late in the game, they came up with a lot of really important stops. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they, they showed, especially, uh, what was it? When did Milano come back? Week 12. We saw uh, he came back fully healthy. There was a big turning point for the defense, and they might not have been a top five, but they were making stops when they needed to, especially with the offense rolling the way it was with Josh Allen. Um we want to see a little bit better this year, of course, but if they can do much the same as they did in the back half of last season, and there's much more continuity and maybe even a bit of better run, um, excuse me, run offense, I'd be happy with. They looked, yeah, like I said, they looked okay last year. They looked okay. <laughs> yeah, well, thirteen and three, not too bad. Not too bad, <laughs> but, no. <laughs> but so I, I often get criticized because I am, uh, I, I. I try to be more measured, right? So I'm never really too high and I'm never really too low. So when things are going good and we're saying 13 and three, I'm the Debbie down and be like, Oh yeah, but we could have done this better. <laughs> so people get annoyed with me at that. Of I mean, course. part of, it's part of me that is football, right? So you will win games that way. But part of me wanted to see uh, a blowout signature win. I don't really think we had one that satisfied me, even if it were 13 and three. Um, does it feel a little fluky? Maybe a little bit, but I mean, the bills are still good. Like I'm not going to call for them to be nine and seven or anything stupid like that. They're still a really good team. Oh, of course. Best season since what? 1993. Yeah. You can't, there's not too many negative superlatives you can attach to last season. Yeah, nope. So Especially to watch. when you're talking about Josh Allen, there's, there's nothing to be ashamed of there. Uh, I was actually screaming at the TV when, you know, third and two, and we do a run play and we shove up the middle and we get one yard or zero yards. I would just be so furious because I just could see it coming. Like it felt, I just felt them getting nothing on those plays. And I just wanted to pass in every single down. It was so frustrating. We've gotten so used to having, even in our worst seasons, we've always had a pretty solid run attack. You know, we had Shady, Fred Jackson, CJ Spiller over all those drought years. And then last year where we finally have an excellent top tier team, we have no running game. And you just want them, especially in that Chiefs game, in the AFC Championship game, where they had locked down the wide receivers. Josh had nowhere to go to. 
they wouldn't even run it because they knew that they're going to get stuffed. Yeah. And that was one of the most frustrating parts. If we got to pick on one specific thing that the Bills messed up in last year, it's like you when you need your running backs to get you some chunk yards and they you just don't even go to them. That's you don't want to become one-sided. You don't want to become one-sided offensively. They don't need to turn into a 60-40 running attack, but you got to be able to at least expect four yards per carry from somebody on your team when you need it. No push. No push up front. They couldn't do it. Yeah. And the, I'm a, I'm a, I'm not super optimistic about the run game going into this year. Maybe it's slightly better because, I mean, we weren't great last year, but am I expecting them to go from not very good to awesome? No but maybe they're marginal and that'd be okay. I guess I take that. Just an extra four, like 0.4 yards of carry would go a long way with just at least the defenses in the playoffs have to account for it. I mean, we used to be seeing Devin Singletary putting the work in the offseason. We know he's been grinding um, and we have a lot more continuity along the offensive line too, which I think is going to be the biggest benefit. We're not trying to work in and out with Fry, uh, Brian winners. We're not trying to figure out what we're doing with Cordy Ford by the time regular season comes around, I fully expect them to have an established front five that is ready to work together, communicate, and their scheme is down pat. I think the big thing, cover one does a really good job of breaking this down. It's just the changes in the scheme, Look, I guess what they're called, this goes a little bit over my head with the X's and O's, but the pin and pull over the zone scheme. They were trying to work in a lot of zone scheme last year, and it just wasn't working, but they didn't have that continuity and that chemistry to really adjust to um, adjust to what they needed in the running game. And I, I think that's that's where I'm going to expect to see at least a, a marginal improvement in the running game um, going into 2021. Okay. All right, Jake. You have anything else for me? No. Or is, is that my is that my hot seat question? Yeah. No. Okay. No. Yeah. I didn't... We we covered your hot seat question pretty well. I just wanted to see if you had anything else you wanted to riff on. Um. Oh. I just put out an article yesterday. Um, hot seat requires some hot takes, I guess, right? And um, we were talking about this a little bit when we were introducing ourselves as uh, Cole Beasley being cut from the Bills. Um, now, it depends on what you think I mean when I say this. Cole Beasley isn't guaranteed a roster spot in 2021. In one way, no player is ever guaranteed a roster spot, right? It's nicknamed the not-for-long league um, or NFL not-for-long. And I think particularly with a lot of what um, uh, was it? Tad Lewis called it social media tirades. I'm not going to call them tirades, but social media outbursts. When he's usually very silent, he's now drawing a lot of attention to directly to himself. And I think just last year, um, the Thad Lewis interview with Sean McDermott, he said he had talked to Cole Beasley about it. And for some reason, these are cropping up again. I have no personal offense of what Cole Beasley says on Twitter. I don't care about any of his opinions, but this is becoming a big distraction for the team, particularly when you have a major economist and fellow sports team owner, Mark Cuban quote tweeting you, which is getting, which is going viral or across the website and going onto major media platforms. It's not something you want a week before a training camp. It's not what you want a week before a training camp when there's a lot of upheaval and uncertainty. Yeah, we have other things we need to focus on, Cole. What are you doing? I, I wish he would just – someone's got to – you know, he's just got to got shake and they got pulled by the scruff and they can just turn off the Twitter account, focus on the game, like you said. Because when he's on the field and as a teammate, I mean, I think he's – he is one of the best players on the team. He's the most trusted target 
besides Stefan Diggs for Josh Allen. The team is better with him, but it's not like he's irreplaceable. There's four players on this squad right now that can take his position. It's not like the Bills need a slot specialist. They can work in Gabriel Davis into the slot. They can work in Emmanuel Sanders' slot. Um, Stephon Diggs works in the slot. Uh, Dawson Knox, I don't know. Maybe that's probably a stretch, but maybe they can figure out, you know, teach him how to catch a little better, and he can work in the slot. Marquez Stevenson, he was a slot receiver in Houston. So it doesn't help his case that he's causing all these disruptions. He's being – he is the only player that is arguing with people online about vaccinations. And, you know, and on top of that, they can save money by cutting him this year. I think it's like $3 million. Mm-hmm. So – and it's not that I'm advocating for it, but he's just got to – he's got to tighten up, man. Tighten up. I want to see Cole Beasley on the team, but I wouldn't put it over 50%, but I don't think his roster spot is guaranteed. I think that's a long walk for me to get there. Uh, he is pro- he is the best person in the league at what he does. And he's never really put up gaudy numbers. I mean, last year was his best career year. And I mean, it was a great year and it was gaudy numbers by any slot receivers standards. Uh, he's the best in the league at what he does. And the way he runs his routes is not easy to replace. Will we be able to get reproduction out of the slot if he's not there? Sure. We can get something but it won't be Cole Beasley and it won't be the same because of what Cole can do. So I'm, I think his roster spot is pretty safe, uh, but I don't think he's making many friends in the, in the organization by doing that. And I know, I know, I know there are other players on the team that share his concerns, but I think there's a lot of folks out there, even other players that don't really understand why Cole wasn't happy in the first place. Nobody's forcing him to get the vaccine. That is not a thing. The thing is, if you don't want the vaccine, we need you to be safe by following these protocols. Now, he thought they were too strict, didn't want to do them. They, they lessened them, and he's still complaining about them. He doesn't want to do either or. He just wants to be cold and be free. But the thing is, and we know the news that came out today about if your team loses because uh, loses a game because of COVID and you're the cause of it, you will have your game checks taken away. That's big. That's huge. <laughs> if players are looking at him, and especially the uh, lower-paid players, if but it's looking at him and saying, are, are you the reason why I'm going to lose my game checks? Yeah, exactly. The lower-paid players is a big deal, but everybody's a big deal. I mean, I don't believe Josh is vaccinated, but nobody's still forcing you to get the vaccine. All you got to do is be safe. You know, There's things you can do even outside of football – like when you go home and you live your civilian life, you can still choose to take care of yourself and be safe and protect yourself. But nobody's forcing you to get the vaccine. And what Cole was initially upset about was not the vaccine. But that's what everybody wants to argue about. My body, my choice. That's not what he's arguing. He doesn't even want to do the bare minimum. And that's the I, big thing. I have that's a big, thing. big problem with that. And he continues to keep putting it out there on Twitter and people and other players keep misunderstanding what he's upset about. Well, that's the, that's what's going to, that's what makes me particularly nervous. And I'm sure that's what's making Sean McDermott and Brandon be nervous is what he's alluding to is I'm going to do what I want, regardless of what the protocols are. You can't have that. You can't have that in this season, especially with the newest. I wrote this article. It's on the top of our page. If you guys want to go read it, but particularly with what they just put out, we're talking about compensation. Now they're, they're reaching into people's pockets saying, if you have an outbreak, that's coming out of your pocket. And if Cole Beasley, he doesn't have to get, nobody has to get any vaccine. I don't care if you get a vaccine. I don't care what anybody does with any vaccines, any medical thing whatsoever, but don't go out there and try to 
imply that you're not going to follow protocols because everybody saw it. Giant target is on his back now. And now he's putting the rest of the team at risk of 10 day quarantines, suspensions, fines. And on top of that, now he's cutting into the team's ability to receive the uh, $400,000 compensation for testing um, game checks for players. There's just a horrible domino effect that, it goes into the cost benefit analysis of is it worth it to keep a slot specialist, even though he's the best in the league? Is it worth it going into this 2021 season when we're supposed to be fighting for Super Bowl? Because he might be the best, but it doesn't matter if he's not on the field. Is I think my bottom line there. Um, I just hope he tightens it up. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love to see Cole Beasley play football. Don't care for his opinions. I don't think they're very well thought through. But uh, on the other side of this, I keep saying, and I don't think people, I don't hear other people talking about this, but first of all, the NFL could not do that without the consent and the agreement from the union. So that's a joint venture, right? The, the NFL just can't unilaterally make this decision. But also if they were forcing people to go to work and they were not doing anything to protect them from COVID, there's also potential liability for the league and the union there as well. So by doing nothing, you can you can possibly face the backlash. So, and, but you try to do something, and the players are revolting against that too. So, um, I guess that's part of living in a in a uh, modern established nation is you got to follow rules. That's part of being part of a country, you know. Sure, part of the premier sports organization in our country. There's there's no. I mean, Beasley has every right to say whatever he wants, do whatever he wants with his body. But if it's not worth it to keep him on the team in 2021 because he's going to be causing problems all season, that's on him. I don't know. I mean, like I said, I'm not going to say that it's more likely than not. But there's now it's a real possibility that I, I would have never said before that he's not on the roster in 2021, which just sucks because he was he's so much fun to watch. I mean, he's such a guaranteed open target for Josh Allen almost at every play. Just so good at yeah. running his routes. It's slick and quick. You know, and just – you can't really – tell where he's going to go. Like I'm watching it on TV and I don't know where he's going to go. So there's no way the defensive back knows, you know? Oh no. But I, to, to say that he's cut, I, I do see your point. I, I do. I think it's a long way for me to get there and I don't think it's very likely, but I don't want to write it off completely. Like if I were going to have a percentage chance or a pie chart chance, I guess, since we're talking about Bruce, 5% or less. Get a little plurality pie, a little five. I'll take five percent or less. Maybe I, maybe I got I got five percent out of you. I'll take that. <laughs> My closing arguments, I guess. I, I will say in his in his defense, I see where he's coming from as far as criticizing the NFL, NFLPA, particularly what has been coming what just came out today talking about removing uh, players' game checks. What I think is just a big crock of bullshit is why is it constantly being taken out of the players' fund for every negative consequence of COVID nineteen salary cap slashed what 20 30 30 million dollars and now if you're going to be missing games because of an outbreak it's coming out of the, the players fund well i i don't want to sit here and, and act like i'm an expert on all that but the way they understand the salary cap is they take all of the money that comes in and they put it in a pool players get 51 percent, owners get 49 percent. so the owners get the smaller piece of the pie 51 percent goes to the players right. but if the if the uh, pool is smaller, then there's less money to spend. And I also understand that the owners did not have to raise the salary cap this for 2021, and they did that anyway. So 
they're trying to give something back. So it didn't all come from the player's pocket. So I, I don't know if that's true, but that's what I believe is true. No, I think you're right. It, it is a designated percentage on the collective bargaining agreement. Um, I guess in my ideal world, I thought <laughs> I was hoping they'd still at least keep it at 198 and just the owners like, Hey, we're going to take a little bit of a loss. Let's keep the game product, what the game product is. That's, that's what I ultimately wanted to see. I mean, I like to live on my cloud nine sometimes, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a money business. And if it's in the contract, it's in the contract. You're right. But, but I, they could have, you're not far from some of the thoughts I've had because uh, I'm an owner or we're the NFL and we want certain concessions from the union. That's a really big carrot to dangle. I mean, they might not bite because it's only for a year or two until the COVID cap catches up, but Hey, look, listen, we'll just take the hit. We're going to make the cap 210 or whatever it's supposed to be. Uh, we don't have to, we're just going to do it. But in return, we want da, 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 da. There's bargaining power that they could have done something like that. Mm-hmm. And they didn't, they just said they slashed it. And the NFLPA, they have bargaining power too. They do realize that they can strike at any time they want. <laughs> and I feel like they act like they don't know that because if Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, or not Peyton Manning, he's retired for a million, Tom Brady, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, all the star players said that they don't want to play this season. That's a huge hit for the NFL. Well, it's they can like they have to take it. You know? Yeah. Like, well, Aaron Rodgers may be retiring. I don't really That's believe true. it. He may not even but, be here anyways. Right? Uh, the players can choose to strike at any time, but if the, if the strike is not viewed as lawful, like if there's no breach of contract, you know, that strike's not going to be upheld by the national labor relations board and your job, you know, might not be there for you and uh, you're losing out on money while other people can keep playing if they choose. So unless they like have a real grievance striking without breach of contract is probably not something I don't think they want to do. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. <laughs> I'm getting hasty. You got me in the hot seat. I'm getting real hasty. I'm calling for <laughs> NFL strikes, Cole Beasley being cut. <laughs> get the hot seat for all my hot takes out today. <laughs> All right. Do you have any other you want to unload? That's it. That's it. I'll save them all for Twitter for the next time. <laughs> all right, Jake. Hey, it was really great to finally meet you and, uh, you know, have you on and, and spend some time with you. Why don't you tell us one more time what the real name of your show is and where we can find it? We are Buffalo Blitzkrieg. We're on Anchor, uh, which puts us on seven different platforms. Uh, we post it all through our Twitter, at Bill's Blitzkrieg. Name's now Buffalo Blitzkrieg, but go to at Bill's Blitzkrieg on Twitter. You'll find us. You'll see all my, you'll see me vent my endless spleen out on there about all the crazy things going on with the Buffalo Bills. We keep the politics out of it. We keep the social issues out of it. Um, I'll, I'll uh, rip on Ryan Sullivan from uh, uh, Buffalo Fanatics for his food takes every once in a while. But besides that, it's just Bill's fun, joking around. Follow us, like us, retweet us, quote tweet us. Send me a message, anything. I, I don't block anybody. I don't mute anybody. I like the conversation. I like the marketplace of ideas. So hit us up at Bill's Blitzkrieg. And it's, a, it's all in good fun. All right. There you have it, Jake. Appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your night. Thanks for having me on, Vince. It's been a good time. No problem. Anytime. All right. Thanks, brother. Catch you later. Bills Mafia, that is all I have for you this week. Thank you for hanging in there to the end. I appreciate it. Uh, This was an epic hot seat. Super blessed to have anybody that wants to come on and talk to me. But 
Uh, I felt like I have some quality guests this week, and I was happy and and really proud that they were uh, willing to take part of the show. Until next week, please be kind to everybody and squeeze somebody close to you and go, Bills. The less I know about other people's affairs, the happier I am. I'm not interested in caring about people. I once worked with a guy for three years and never learned his name. Best friend I ever had. We still never talk sometimes. If you were not absolutely satisfied with this podcast episode, please contact your state senator or the postmaster general. Please be sure to mention, Vince Taylor said that you are a big fucking cryass. Boy, I'm sure glad that's over with. Me too. Yeah, but you know, I learned something today. Just when you think this show is terrible, something wonderful happens. What? It ends. It's over. Go home. Go.